The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, all of you intentional spirits. I see Elizabeth is already joining us from Norway. Hello, my dear friend. We're so glad that you're with us today. Um, wow. You know, every now and then there's this show that really stands out and apart from some others. Um, our guest today is near and dear to my heart, the work she does, um, being on the path as an intentional spirit. I love to meet people along the way that uh, support sobriety, recovery, uh, bringing out the greater aspects of, of all of us um, in our world and on our planet. I have with me today Shira Gava, and she is an amazing um, psychotherapist, a life coach. She's a certified recovery coach. She lives, breathes, and dedicates her whole life to supporting all of us of recovering from our recovery. How's that, Sherry? Does that kind of define it? <laughs> it does. Every, you know, every aspect of recovery, it, you know, it started out with, with drugs and alcohol, and it's kind of morphing into love addiction and its cousin marriage addiction, which um, is something new that people really don't even realize that it is an addiction uh, to be married multiple times and, of course, relationship and love addiction, you know, being in love with the idea of love. So, yes, I am the recovery addiction expert for sure. (laughs) And all of those things that you just mentioned sell a lot of music in the world. What is that when I was looking for love in all the wrong places? I mean, they're all in our minds and they kind of play, you know, over and over and over again. I want to remind those of you that are with us on Facebook Live, I want to say hello to my friend Rick there. Uh, be sure and put your comments in because uh, it gives me an opportunity to be more interactive on the show. And it also allows me the opportunity to give Sherry some feedback as to, um, you know, things that you might want to add to the conversation and or to ask. But Sherry and I uh, met uh, many years Years ago, we're recovery sisters. We met through the internet and the fantastic work that she does with the Recovery Today magazine. And so she is a mover and shaker. 
And today is a very exciting day for her because it's a major book launch for her. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But Sherry, because I, I know you better than our audience, would you? I don't know if that was good English. But anyway, I, I know you well from the work you've been doing. Would you please take a moment and kind of let our audience know, why are you interested in this anyway? You know, what got you started on your path? Did you have an awakening? Did you know when you were born that this was your calling? Uh, give them a little bit of background because I really teach our audience that what matters the most is the story and how you live the right. story. Right. Well, definitely I am a, a love addict for sure and a codependent. Um, I, it, you know, I often tell people the story of where it really started when I was born, being three pounds uh, back in the you know late 50s. Uh, they didn't have, um, you know, if you were, if you were pre, you know, premature, which I was, I was three pounds. And I tell this story because it, it touches a lot of people's hearts when they hear it and they go, oh, my God, that could be me. But basically, my mom did not hold me for about three months. I was in an incubator. I was fed through my feet. Um, I, you know, had an oxygen mask on my nose. I mean, I was really just completely um, helpless in that little incubator. And so... From that day on, I was in survival mode, and I was looking for love, you know, looking to basically, you know, have my mother pick me up. And so I spent a lot of time dealing with a lot of separation anxiety, abandonment issues, and I didn't know there wasn't a word for it at the time. Uh, later to discover that, you know, we know that early bonding and attachment is so important. You know, maybe what we don't remember in our in our um you know, in our brains, we remember in our bodies. And so there was this need to fill up that emptiness. And, you know, it, it, it can manifest in a lot of things. Um, the alcohol, uh, the, the abuse of alcohol at times went along with that um, uh, need to be to be loved, to be filled up. And so, you know, I, you know, it didn't matter what it was. It was, you know, whether it was food or, or alcohol or drugs or, or men or, or whatever, it was always to fill that empty void. <clears throat> but I would say my first and foremost addiction was that love addiction and this feeling of, of emptiness if I wasn't with somebody. And um, it was only very recently, really, after my divorce that I spent four years really getting to, to the root of that. And... Um, you know, for the first time in my life, I can say, you know, I can live fabulously on my own and be really happy. Um, and that's that's my story. And I think there's a lot of people that can relate. and They don't understand why they're so hungry for a relationship. But it can start from early trauma, early neglect, abandonment, parents that are unavailable physically or emotionally. And to really take a look at that, that trauma piece and why they may have the same type of addiction. Absolutely, and we also, you know, are surrounded by uh, constant promotions and advertisement and marketing that, you know, that's what sells a lot of products is you just got to have somebody with you on the photograph. You know, it's like there's something uh, perceived as odd if you're actually living a life by yourself or you choose to or, or you want to. I know years ago we used to say that the definition for codependency is when uh, your past life review is before you and you look at the movie and you're not even there. It's everybody else. <laughs> right. It's right. It's, it's, well, that's why they say programs like Codependent Anonymous or Al-Anon, they say it's a me program. It's not that you're really focusing on the other in your life. I mean, it's really an other disease is what it is. It's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's always being obsessed with the other. <clears throat> and, of course, um, 
when I when I was separated from my ex husband and he was um, he had relapsed, it was all about the obsession of that relapse and getting him well. And so I kind of really, really, my disease just went over overboard, and um, he became you know my complete focus, and it became my obsession. So you know that that really is a disease too. Is the other disease being being really uh, and and it goes into other areas like people pleasing, wanting others to approve of you, wanting validation. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I'm thinking of like even the texting today, the, the, the dating apps, you know, all of that just kind of plays into that. Oh my God, I'm being rejected or he didn't write, you know, he or she didn't write me back or he ghosted me or, you know, it almost isn't normal the way people are even relating today in that forum, you know, of relationships. So I think this is a much bigger conversation even than just, um, Love addiction itself. I think it's the environment today that we're in, uh, meeting people and um, hooking up and so forth. I think it's it's crazy making for a lot of people because it doesn't even it's not even nor- no normal social cues. I mean, in the old days, like you meet someone, you go out, you know, they call you or whatever. But now it's just like oh, instant gratification kind of um, atmosphere. Right, you're right. Texting and Twitter and. Hashtag this and this and that. You're right. It's a it's a whole different world and in relation to technology. And I I tell people often if you haven't created healthy boundaries for yourself and understand the the dynamic of having boundaries in relationship, uh, better get started on that because that's exactly what is you know happening. It used to be kind of the acceptance of the norm. You know, that you email somebody, you would hear from them in a week, just like regular mail. And now yeah. it's like, I had literally have people, you know, emailing me and texting me, did you get it? You know, and it was like, it was two hours exactly. ago. It's exactly, like, yeah. Think yeah. to yourself. We're all guilty of that. It's like, get real. Don't, don't you have a life? I mean, come on. I mean, I, there's two days I'm not even in meetings and not even looking at the email. So it's, it's this whole new layer of, of conversation and connection and what does connection mean and those kind of things. Um, I'm very thrilled about your book. I know it, it's going very well today. I think it's so funny that this is the day that we planned six months ago for you to be on the show. But the title of your book is The Marriage and Relationship Junkie, Kicking your obsession and i'm going to ask our executive producer to put the link on to amazon so people can all go right to it you can also go to sherrygaba.com and access her website uh sherry what is love addiction and the signs and symptoms of that so basically you know love addiction is known as a process addiction or some people call it a lifestyle addiction um, unlike a substance addiction like drugs or alcohol. So when mm-hmm. you think of a process addiction, you think of love or codependency, food addiction, binge eating, sex addiction. It can be addiction to exercise, Internet, gaming, shopping. It can be spending. Um, you know, it means becoming addicted to a mood-altering activity and behavior, which creates, believe it or not, Temple, almost the identical euphoric states to that of a mood-altering substance. So the relationship is the person's only identity. And when the break occurs, 
the addictive lover longs for that attachment and that those pleasurable feelings, just like you would if you were a heroin addict and you were needing your fix. So they're, they're wanting those dopamine highs of that lost relationship as much as, you know, a drug user craves a drug. So it's, it's really all about over-adapting to what others want. It's about what you said earlier, not having boundaries. And, you know, when you think about boundaries, you know, if you didn't grow up with boundaries, if your parents didn't teach you about boundaries, how do you know what a boundary is? How do you know what no means? How do you know what yes means? Um, I think that people that are on this call, you know, if they're having, or if they're on the Facebook Live, if they're having feelings like a fear of letting go, you know, a fear of the unknown, like what's 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 go, what's next? It's like being in this void and being very uncomfortable in the in the uncomfortable. Um, it's an attempt to change others, wanting someone to be what you want them to be, not what they are. There isn't an ex- there isn't this acceptance for who you're with. It's sort of like falling in love with potential. I I mean I remember with my first husband, it was all about well he has so much potential, so much potential. It's right. um. You know, which you just can't fall in love with potential because you know, that's what they are and that's what you're going to get. And I think that's what's behind my passion for this book is that, you know, if I can make a difference in one person's life not to, you know, to make that commitment to the wrong person because of the wrong reasons or settling for less, I've done my job. Um, I, you know, made many, many mistakes. They're all learning experiences, but I just didn't have the self-esteem. I didn't have the understanding of why I felt so lost without being in relationship. And I mean, I, I, I settled, and I, I just would like to see people not settle. Like people deserve and are worthy of the very best. Uh, it's, um, you know, needing others to feel whole. It's looking for others for affirmation and worth, needing that validation. Um, I, I have a lot of clients in my practice that they don't even have, like, they don't even actually have physical affairs but they actually get online and they just want the validation of somebody writing them back on Facebook. So they'll actually have these emotional relationships. And to me, that is love addiction, really, because they're having these, these relationships and it's really all about getting that validation from that person, you know, to write them back, to contact them. Like, and it's really, and you know, Temple, it's all about thinking that something outside of myself is going to make me feel good on the inside. And that's really well, what that's all about. I, I think that a, another another part of it, and I can only speak from where I used to be and, and where I am now. I know early on in my life, I, I really felt like that I was different. I was here to be different. But because that uh, difference made me feel vulnerable and uncomfortable, I wasn't willing to invest in myself to generate uh, possibilities for myself. So I was seeking to pick somebody out there on a white horse or a brown horse or a shining yeah. horse or something. And if I could pick that person out there, I would, I would do anything in the world for you. I would give you 250% of my time and my energy, and I would help you with your potential become something that I don't even know if I stopped and asked you if you were interested in being that. And so I would put all my energy there, you know, totally collapse myself into that experience. And then what happens is that person that you're projecting all that neediness and, and help and 
and codependency energy towards what happens is they resent that and eventually wind up resenting you when all along it's just the projection spiritually towards someone else what you're unwilling to really invest it's your sacred saboteur actually it's the denial of one's uh, greatness um, and and what is you know possible I love what you said about if you are with someone right now based upon their potential you really need to rethink that I was just on the phone with a good friend of mine and she had met someone and uh, a wonderful gentleman and she you know was telling me that it was wonderful and everything and so I hadn't talked to her in a while and I asked her I said, well, you know, how's it going? How's it going with your new love? And it got, you know, I call it too long of a pause. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never necessarily what someone says. It's how long is the pause. So the pause was long. And I said, whoa, that, okay. So you just said what I thought. She went, well, you know, I'm just not sure about the fire. And I said, well, walk now. You know, walk uh-huh. now. And I said, so I'm overstepping my business. I know I am, but I'm just telling you intuitively that when you're with somebody, they're always best in the beginning. And if it's not yeah. your best, don't wait five years to, to know what you already know now. And well, I, yeah, what, I, yeah, yeah. What you're saying, Temple, is that your, um, your desire to be loved is greater than the truth that this person is not right. That's perfect. Say that again. Your desire to be loved is greater than your truth of knowing that this person is not right. I, I love that. That's very, that's extremely profound. We're getting amens online. We're getting likes. We're getting click marks. And, and, and that's the truth. I mean, actually, I would like to move forward with you um, some point later in the year and do a series Uh, You know, maybe do, and I want to get feedback from our listeners. Would you like to see a series about this? Because I don't, I don't think we can even touch the surface that well in a 45, 50 minute segment because there's so much to cover. But I know that there's wisdom and truth in what we're saying because I, I watched literally through years of recovery and therapy, I've watched how it's changed me and more importantly, how I need to change. And I know how you're living in that as well. So yeah, and and I want and I want to bring love and compassion to your audience and to anybody listening to this call. That if you have fallen into this trap of needing to be loved, you know, have compassion because maybe you did. You obviously maybe didn't. And everybody needs to be loved. I mean, love is what the what's, yes. what makes the world go round. So I want to be really clear. <clears throat> This isn't like I'm anti-marriage or anti-love or anti-relationship. I just want to be clear that pick someone uh, from your authenticity, authenticity, from your genuineness, from who you are. I mean, you were kind of touching on that, Temple, that, you know, you, you were kind of trying to figure out who you were. And so a lot of your choices weren't based on really who you were or you were afraid to be who you were. And so you pick choices from that place. And, you know, as you, and, and as we grow and we learn and we figure out who we really are, then, um, you know, we have a better opportunity of attracting what we are. If we, if we don't know who we are, what we are, or we don't think much about ourselves, that's exactly what we're going to attract. You know, I mean, I know that you're a big believer in, in the law of attraction, or I, maybe you call it the new thought movement, but it's, you know, like attract, 
like. And if you're feeling broken, then you're going to find broken. And, and that's really what I did in my life. And, and, you know, the greatest thing about recovery is that when I finally got this, I went, oh, my God, I made these choices. This wasn't like this guy is bad or this relationship was bad or, or this one was abusive. I mean, they all were many of those things. But the bottom line was I made that choice. And that's important. Like, we have a conscious decision to make choices that are in our best, you know, for our best, for our highest good. And so if you're in a good place, and you're, so this is really a deep conversation. It's much deeper than, oh, you know, this guy, I picked a loser and it didn't work out. I mean, this is a bigger conversation. Absolutely. There, there's no doubt about it. And, by the way, we're getting a lot of yeses, so it's inevitable that we need to series so we just need you to get with uh our producer and your willingness to do so of what that would look like that we could do through oh, i love weeks. that i would love that i i, I yeah i mean and, and a lot big part of my book does talk not a big part i say part of the book does talk about law of attraction and energy and i know that that aligns with you temple and your listeners so i think they'll really enjoy the book and they would enjoy a series that we put together because you know, I am a true believer in, in this whole thing is all about energy and energetically, um, you know, being in a really high place, high vibration, and, and that's how we're going to pick somebody in the same vibration, um, metaphorically. But, you know, getting back to the signs and symptoms, um, part of it is also this fear of abandonment, which I talked about in my own life, this fear of, of being alone. I mean, I remember growing up and my parents would go out on a Saturday night and my brother would be like, oh, bye, have a good time, you know, and I would be just like, ah. or even as an adult, I remember they would go out, of, they would go like on a trip, they'd go out of town and I could just feel this pit, you know, here I am, a grown woman, and it's like, oh, they're leaving me. Um, and so there was this withdrawal that I would feel. Um, and, and the bottom line is, you know, getting back to who we pick as partners, you know, we end up giving up who we are out of this fear that we're going to lose someone or, or need their approval. And, you know, that is not a great uh, start for any kind of relationship or picking a partner. Well, the, the, the other aspect of that is because everything in nature and everything in life is contingent upon the law of cause and effect. And yeah. so that's what fascinates me about people in an adult body. And, and I don't mean that condescending or facetiously because I was one of those people that did the same thing years ago is that you meet somebody and you're not being you. Yeah. You know, and you're sitting around in judgment about him or her and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to give this person a period of time because I don't know, maybe they're too good to be true, or I don't know, I'm still looking for something bad to reveal itself, while all the time that person, that observing person, isn't being who they are. You know, they're being kind of fake, pretentious, not really saying this is who I am, and letting that be seen. Um, that was the biggest aha moment, you know, that I ever had, I think, related to a love mate, is this is who I am, you know, this is what you got. I mean, you know, and, and, and go from there because what you have then is you have two people being, you know, more real together. So the expectations can become more fluid. And, and, and the whole thing is uh, to me is exactly what you're saying. And that's why I love your material. We're not seeking two half people to make a whole. We're seeking two whole 
people to make a third identity called our relationship. And, and yeah. when you're coming from that, your, your goal is not how can I take from you, it's more about how can I enhance and support you that you can become a better individual this year than you were last year. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me of the, the Tom Cruise movie. I'm, I can't think of the name of it right now. He was a sports agent, and Renee Zellweger, you know, she makes that statement. Um, you got me at a, you got me at hello. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, you got me, you fill me up, you yeah. complete me. Um, but I love what you're saying about not being yourself when you meet someone. I mean, that just kind of reminds me of my own dating life, I would always pretend when I was young, and I mean literally pretend that I was just this independent woman, and, and I was, I mean, I was a single mother, I was raising my daughter, I was, uh, you know, I was able to make a living, and I was, I, I wasn't a loser kind of thing, but I would, but inside I was, I, there was this hole, and there was this neediness, but I would pretend that I was this, like, really strong, independent person, and then that's what they thought they were getting, and then we get in this relationship and they realize, oh, my God, you're really just like a little girl. You know, you haven't really grown up yet. And so that, of course, isn't going to work out because that, what they were hoping for was somebody that was, you know, strong and independent. And, you know, when I'm, I'm so transparent about all this in my own life because I really want to eradicate the shame around this because having multiple marriages, I was very shameful. You know, I just didn't want people to know. And I... I really want people to not be embarrassed that they've had multiple relationships or multiple marriages and not to feel shame. I mean, I mean, I was really a standing joke in my family. You know, like I married guys that had, I married three guys with the letter K as a last name, and they would say, oh, K, 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 ha, 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 ha. You know, like making a joke of it. And, you know, it's not a joke. It was really painful. And I didn't do this, you know, um, you know, yes, they were mistakes, but, you know, there's reasons that we do these things. You know, just like when I work with addicts and alcoholics, and I say, you know, maybe that alcohol worked for you at the time. Maybe you wouldn't have survived if you didn't have that alcohol. So um, I just, you know, I just keep going back to for, for, for your audience and for these listeners and the people that read my book. Have compassion for yourself because there is a reason for the, th- the choices that you're making. And it didn't just happen because, um, you know, just because. Absolutely, and it, it, you're right. It, it's it's not only judgmental; it's just so self righteous because um, we have all been in many relationships in our lives, um, and that paradigm, you know, started changing generations ago because you know, in cave time and in many other times in our culture, you really. You met somebody and you stayed with them geographically. You, you didn't have a lot of options, and you stayed each other to survive. You yes, know exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking about just came to my mind, sort of had this intuitive thought about the Me Too movement. It's like it's not exactly yeah. aligned with the Me Too movement, but it kind of is. Like women are expected to be they're objectified. Women are expected to get married. They're expected to have children. I mean. What's up? This is 2018, you know? I mean, we have lots of opportunities here, lots of options. You know, we don't have to make, and we st- I mean, and I think we still live in these societal patriarchal kind of norms, even though it's 2018. Yes, well, you know, it, it's that kind of uh, path of resistance of people resisting because, you know, I found that to be true, too, that often the people that are judging 
God, how many times you've been married or how you've been? And I, I'm very clear to people if they're apologizing to me at the number of times they've been married, I'll say, well, I've been in a number of relationships. The number of times, too, the only difference between you and me is I didn't go down to the courthouse. So there doesn't need to be any judgment there. I think there's a beautiful exploration about people that are willing to still get closer and closer to what is more true to themselves. And and it, it's a feeling of feeling great, you know, wonderful. Like, well, I kept doing it until I really discovered how to make it profound and how to make it wonderful. I wouldn't trade any of my experimentation, any of my experiences with the relationships that eventually didn't work out because they always worked out. Because you know, I love the- that, Temple. Oh, my God, that's such a great perspective. So what you're saying to me is the many relationships you're in were just bringing you closer to the love that you are and finding the, lo- the right love. Is that kind of what you're that- saying? exactly correct and both of you as a relationship were in some kind of soul agreement to have that experience that ultimately you both are better people because you have had that and then we have the extremity of people that you know that are i mean i appreciate vows and i'm very committed and i i know that i am you know with the person now that i will spend uh my life with that's there's no doubt about it but it took a lot of um, trial and error, learning, uh, the idea of what I thought relationship was to get to the place I am. Exactly. exactly. That particular person that we're on that even kill and, you know, on that uh, wavelength. And a lot of people that would be true for them. And often the people that are talking about people like us uh, are people that, it, the goal isn't how many years you've been married. It's the quality of the relationship that you've had. You know, and we're not impressive to see somebody who's been married 50 years. If you both said, well, we've been married 50 years, but 30 of that, we haven't really been that happy. You know, give us a break. Exactly. Um, right, right, right. I, and that's beautiful. It's all, You know, it's almost like the sober person that have years of sobriety, but they're actually a dry drunk, right? They're not really right. happy. But, yeah, they have all this sobriety, but big deal. But I love that, you, you know, that perspective you have because I would say to people in a very defensive kind of way, oh, I'm just going to do it till I do it right, or, well, Elizabeth Taylor's been married five times, you know, why not me? But really what I was saying underneath all that is, yes, exactly what you said, Temple. I was trying to, I was trying it on for size until I found the right, the right match or, or, you know, being the right time in my life. I mean, you know, there's just so many, there's so many variables. And, you know, it's all about life is messy. It's not black or white. And, you know, let's take the shame and the judgment out. Absolutely, and, and we're in a learning school, you know, and so yep. for any of you that have ever accepted shame because you've had a relationship that didn't work, hold your head up high, you know, absolutely hold your head up high because you're just one step closer to this is a learning school, and um, and and so, okay, you have another degree in relationship, you know, good for you. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you is, uh, why is the love addiction a problem for people energetically? You know, it's a great question. I think when we obsess about what could have been, what could have been with somebody, it kind of forces you to think mm-hmm. about. It kind of puts you in lack, not abundance, which just brings in more lack. So again, it's that law of attraction. So. Although grieving is really important when something doesn't work work out, you also have to acknowledge, you know, what am I grateful for in my life? And just keep gravitating more of what that is. Um, 
you know, you don't want to put out what you don't want because you're just going to keep getting what you don't want. So if you put your partner on a pedestal, this person that maybe didn't work out, and make yourself wrong, again, you'll keep attracting the same type of person, that wrong person. So you want to be the one on the pedestal. You want to fill yourself up energetically as being great and, and you know, uh, the highest version of yourself so that you meet someone else that is the highest version of themselves. So, again, it's like attract likes. I, I think that's really what I was saying um, when I was talking about this idea of, uh, you know, meeting your match energetically. Absolutely. I agree with you, Carla. Blessings, Carla. Good to see you today. Uh, many blessings. She said not only great question, but great answer. Um, and, oh, and it's so yeah. true. And I, I think that's a fundamental question for people to ask. Why am I willing to sell myself short? Why am I willing to sell myself short um, anytime? You know, and because of being so valuable spiritually and energetically and in, in consciousness of it, it's a privilege for somebody to want to share their life for you and you want to share your life with someone else. And for those of you that are just tuning in, we're talking about where I'm talking today with Sherry Gava and uh, she is a recovery expert about a lot of different things. But specifically today, we're talking about the marriage and relationship junkie kicking your obsession and you know fundamentally why is that obsession there and how can we transcend that obsession to being obsessed with what is the highest and best for ourselves i think that's part of the goal or part of the idea um and what kind of you know fundamental game do we have to play in our hearts and in our head that we don't just settle you know that we're not just willing Oh, okay. Well, you know, I've been thinking about having somebody new in my life and I met someone for five minutes and I'm convinced you're it. It's like, what? You know, well, how? Um, and, and, you know, we choose, we choose what we are. And so I think about people that grow up and they feel invisible. Let's say they, you know, the big piece of this, which I write about in the book, is this trauma piece. Like, where, what were your parents like? Did they parentify you? Did you have mm-hmm. to be a little adult? Were they not available? Were they addicts themselves? Were they, they weren't emotionally available? Did you feel invisible? You know, were you neglected? Did you, were, they, were they inadequate parents and where your needs were not met? Did you feel abandoned by them? You know, did you grow up where there was a divorce where, you know, everybody was so busy just trying to survive they didn't have the time for you. Um, I think that sets you up for settling for less because then you may end up picking that type of partner, someone who really is unavailable, who really is maybe a love avoidant, someone who really doesn't have a lot of love to give, but you're sort of attracted to that because that's how you grew up and that's all you knew. And that's pretty much what set me up energetically was that I had, no, I did not, you know, it wasn't just that my mother didn't picked me up for three months when I was an incubator, but then she had to work at night. My dad was going to law school. Then he had to drop out of law school. I mean, there was just so much chaos going on in my family, major money issues. And so there was just, you know, and again, this isn't about blame or shaming my parents, but they're just, they just didn't, they're just, they just weren't available. Um, you know, I think about being a single mother myself. I wasn't always available to my daughter, and sometimes she became my little adult friend because I had nobody else to talk to. And so in some ways that set her up on some level to, um, you know, maybe pick somebody that wasn't available, although she actually has a wonderful relationship and a baby, but 
believe it or not, my 33-year-old daughter chooses not to be married. Now, I don't think it's because I made so many mistakes. At least she says that's not the reason. She just has no need to be married. She's like, I'm really happy. You know, I bought my house. Um, you know, I'm good. I have my baby. I have my boyfriend. You know, what is a piece of paper? So it's. I think a lot of millennials actually, well, actually the statistics are that a lot of millennials are not getting married so fast. They live with each other at least two years before they get married, and the statistics are a lot less people are getting married. Um, and then you think of, like, blended families. Um, those often end up having more divorce rates. Second marriages, third marriages, when there's kids involved, there's a lot more divorce. And so those people are thinking twice about actually tying the knot. But getting back to the trauma piece, I mean, it's really important to look at your childhood, look and see, you know, what what needs were not met, were you, were you, did you feel invisible, and then what is that setting you up for in terms of, of craving another person to make you feel whole? I mean, love addiction comes from this profound feeling of not being enough, not having enough, and, you know, like we've been talking about, it's an unconscious attempt to satisfy that developmental hunger for something to belong. You know, we're looking, again, outside ourselves for some external force to fix what's inside of us, which is that fear, that pain, and that discomfort. And so I'm always telling my clients, you know, make friends with that discomfort. You know, make friends with it. You know, that's how you're going to heal. Notice it. Be the witness of it. Yes, and I... um I always encourage people when I'm working with them and they, they long for a, a true love relationship or soulmate or, you know, whatever way they identify with it, I, I, I give them the assignment to come back and tell me a model relationship that they feel is what they would like to have and why is that, you know, uh, what is that about? And that... Really, it happened to me that I have been fortunate in my life to have a good relationship with two other people and perhaps three if we want to go way back, <laughs> you know. But the ones I, I like to identify my strongest relationships when I was in sobriety. But in that sobriety of that clear thinking and that not delusional, you know, reality, um, I was with a woman and I was with a man and and so what I observed was that they were very good relationships, and I could could have carried out a whole lifetime with them, but it wasn't an amazing relationship. It wasn't an amazing relationship, and my triggering point, Sherry, happened, and it was one encounter, but I know with cause and effect it had been building up a long time, is that I was involved in an organization and I saw this man, and he kept talking about his wife, and I saw the way he looked at her. And in that moment, when I saw that, and I saw how he looked at her with such respect and such admiration, it, it totally time stood still, still. And in my honesty with me, and in my own integrity, I had to say, I have never had that in my whole life. Maybe my grandfather looked at me that way as a little girl. Maybe my mother has looked at me that way when we're in conversation, like this is my daughter, and I'm so glad you're my daughter. But with another person, as far as a love mate, at that level, I had never had that. 
And I went home that day and started making a plan of that I need to I needed to leave a good relationship because if you're going to have a relationship at all, because goodness knows this is not cave time. You don't need one to keep you warm in the winter. You don't need one to survive. You certainly don't need one that can offer financial endeavors. And so it's like I want if I have one at all. I'm not going to settle, and I only want amazing. And, of course, as you would know, that's what I wound up with. But Aww, So what you're saying is you wanted to be adored. I wanted to be respected, respected. and admired. And you can only have that by a person that doesn't live from the consciousness that they're broken. Because if, you, if you're wanting to attract a relationship, and you still hold yourself as broken in some way, background, what you did in the past, what you could have done in the past, or whatever, ultimately, in working with the law of attraction, you're going to attract a person that's broken, and you have two broken people trying to remind each other that they're okay and they're not really broken. And so there's that element, fundamentally, of that. And so in coming from a place of wholeness, you know, I don't ever want to be worshipped and, oh, my God, you're just the greatest thing and I excuse you of everything because you're perfect. No, 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 no. But admired for the intentionality of wanting to be a contributor to society and realizing that I am teachable, often make you may make mistakes, but people that of equality, we're going to support each other from a place of wholeness and never seeing you without that respect and admiration. Did that, was that even a complete sentence? Did I make any sense at all? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is, um, look, what I'm hearing is that what you're talking about, there is, um, not, not, not longevity, but there's um, sustainability in that. Like, it's yes. one thing to be goo goo gaga over somebody, you know, anybody can have, have that, but it's the sustainability of being someone with shared values, uh, being, yes. uh, being shared and what you bring to the world and to the to the universe, and sometimes it's timing. You know, I did get yeah. a divorce. Um, we were apart for four years, and we're actually back together. He has two years sober, and in those four years, uh, he found himself. I found myself. I mean, I had to explore different aspects of my being. I I, I needed to not be obsessed. I needed to find myself. I I you know I just had so many great experiences, and then. We found each other again in a much wholer, newer relationship. We were, I mean, in the beginning, it was just more like goo goo gaga, two people, you know, finding each other in the rooms and just being like, oh, this is just feels so good. He smells so good. And then, you know, eventually that didn't work out. I mean, he relapsed, and that was probably the biggest reason it didn't work out. But in a way, it was God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We had that time apart, and I got to figure out things about myself I was unsure of. I needed, I, I just, it was just like the best thing that ever happened. And um, we're now two, you know, kind of renewed people, bringing out the highest version of each other and of ourselves. And, but I will say, he is my biggest fan, and I love that. And I don't know, I don't think that's codependency, but he really believes in me he believes in my in my and i believe in him i'm so proud of him you know he's a miracle so you know it's all just kind of messy but it all works out in the end i think yes well i i don't hear anything within that that's codependent at all you know honoring (laughs) 
valuing them and being their cheerleader, male or female, is is uh, beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful and and wonderful. Um, remember, everyone, to go to Sherry. Jgaba.com, uh, Sherry, G-A-B-A.com. And also, you want to get her book with Amazon. And um, if not right now, later on, we'll add the link. So you can go to Amazon. It's an exciting time for her. As of yeah. 40 minutes ago, she was 20 books away from being a bestseller. We really love that, and other people are giving comments. It's like, Sherry's not codependent. Forget about that. Just in, Oh, enjoy that's so great. <laughs> love and everything else, and just we're just very happy for you, you know? It's really well, wonderful. Well, you know, the funny part is, Temple, is that when we got back together, it was very, very, again, that whole shame piece showed up, like, oh, God, what are people going to think? Oh, she must be settling. Oh, you know, that's she's it. back with him again. Well, first of all, I would have not gotten back together with him if he wasn't sober because that was really important to me. That was a value that I needed to have in my life. Um, but I was I was really, you know, that, that codependent thing kind of reared its ugly head, you know. And then finally I realized when I opened up at a uh, Al-Anon meeting, I was, and everybody was so supportive and loving, I thought, oh, my God, you know, I created that shame. I created that um, that piece. You know, it's just... You know, it's mm-hmm. a work in progress, right? It's just a work in progress. Yeah. And, and, and I share this, and I can see you share, too, very transparently, because, you know, one person out there is going to hear your story, Temple, they're going to hear my story, and they're going to go, oh, my God, I can relate, you know, and that's what this is all about, It's just making Absolutely. a difference to that one person. Absolutely. I've, I've always been willing to share my story. I've never been anonymous. I figure I, I've gone through too much to be quiet about it at, at this point. By the way, uh-huh. many of you as our audience and our listeners have had an interest in a couple of things. One, to let you know that I'm now doing the Intentional Spirit television show, and um, and that is on the New Thought Channel, either on Roku or on the Internet, the New Thought Channel. So I've interviewed several people, including James Van Prague an expert on divorce. I mean, there is a number of people I want to take up time with that. And also to let you know that a lot of us are traveling on a unity cruise together and uh, next um, March, and you can go to spiritctravel.com for more information about that. Um, Sherry, um, we're, we're really working to come from a place of healthiness in, in relationship and um, I know that you talk a lot about positive affirmations. What are some of the affirmations that people can say to themselves to rewire their brain to come from that place of healthiness and mindfulness? Well, I, I would suggest they can write their own if they want, but what I can do is I can go through some with you, Temple, and if you just want to repeat it after me, that might be um, helpful. Absolutely. Um, I'm a player. Let's go. Okay, so the first one, and I might break up some of these sentences because they might be too long, but uh, I am a lovable and valuable person. I'm a lovable and valuable person. I am deserving of a healthy partner who is capable of loving, respecting, and honoring me as a person. Yes, that's a lot. I am a lovable, valuable person. I'll break it up. I'll break it up. (laughs) I'm deserving of a healthy partner. I'm deserving of a healthy partner, and I'm so grateful I have one, yes. Oh, who is capable of loving, respecting, and honoring me as a person. 
who is capable of loving, respecting, and honoring me as a person. And all of you feel this as we're talking into that because I, I know with some of the people that are in our audience, they are single currently. So this is a, yes. these are good ones to say. Yes. Uh, withdrawal will not last forever. Withdrawal will not last forever. My needs and wants are important. My needs and wants are important. All my experiences contribute to my growth. All my experiences contribute to my growth. I am learning to let go of dependencies. I am learning to let go of dependencies. On others and relying on myself for happiness. On others and relying upon myself for happiness. I walk away from toxic people. I walk away from toxic people. I create my own truth in love. I create my own truth in love. That's beautiful. Yeah, and those, you know, like you said, they change the wiring in our in our brains, you know, we're rewiring those negative thoughts to positive thoughts. But, you know, I'm also a big believer in acknowledging those other thoughts. Those thoughts are out to get you, you know, what we call the committee. Those are just thoughts. They're, they're, you know, like we learn in the program, feelings aren't facts. So it's not right. about just, you know, like, oh, talk to the hand. I'm just going to go around being positive. No, it's not that simple. But so validate your thoughts that they're just thoughts and then do the positive affirmations. Absolutely. And the other thing that um, that I found valuable is to make a list of, of what I was really seeking in a relationship. And it can be 30, 40, 50, 60 things. And, you know, when you do go on a date or someone's matchmaking with you, uh, you know, look way past Facebook and, and go down the list and, and really assess, am I anywhere close to that? You know, and you, you need to have at least 85% of those things of 90% of those things on the list um, to even move forward and consider it. It's so important that we do not devalue ourselves. Um, and one because- thing um, in, in the book, there's, Every chapter, I'm a big, I did this with my first book too, lots of uh, exercises, journaling exercises, meditations, uh, mindfulness exercises, uh, quizzes. So I love this idea that you bring up, Temple, about making a list because that's, you know, my book is almost like a workbook and a book, in a, you know, all together in one. You've got to do the, the work, and that's what, that's what the book's about is doing the work. Um, I think one of the things that was most helpful for me, too, is that I created a fantasy um, with with a celebrity of the person that I was going to meet one day and we were going to be together. Okay? Mm. I'm, I'm not going to reveal who that is this show. Maybe when we do a series, I will. But I created a fantasy that that particular celebrity, that that the two of us were going to ultimately be together, okay? And I had it very clear in my mind, and I could feel it, and I could experience it, and I could feel the interaction and us, you know, jet-setting across the world to be together and all that. And so when I would be invited to go out on a date or meet somebody, that was my comparative. And I would have full time and everything, and I would get back home, and I would say, is that anywhere close to this fantasy of this celebrity that I'm talking about. And if the answer was no, it was like, I had a good time and I appreciate it. And God bless you on this amazing journey that we call life. And that was it. 
And it helped me tremendously break that pattern of selling myself short. I like that. And, I, I can see how that would do that for sure. It was very, very powerful. Well, listen, the thing about uh, talking with you, Sherry, is that you get me going so much that I, I like to talk as much as you, you get to talk. I, know. But, I hope I didn't interrupt you too many times. <laughs> Uh, no, you don't. You don't interrupt me at all. I just okay. believe in your work, and I, you're just an incredible person. I love Recovery Today magazine. I love Recovery Today series. Um, everybody know more about Sherry's work. It can not only support you and different things, but know the work is so much more expansive than just a love made. It's about recovery. It's about discovery. And it applies to uh, people in our communities and people in our families. And also how to raise children better because there's concepts and ideas that we can now break the chain. We don't have to keep repeating those old patterns. Sherry, what is your closing thought you would like to leave us with today? Oh, gosh, I I should have thought about that. Well, I think just, um, you know, what Temple said, you know, don't settle for less. You deserve, you are worthy of, of you're deserving. You're deserving of everything big, everything big. Yes, absolutely. So let's follow through because we have a phenomenal interest in the series, and let's make a plan with that. Okay, Sherry. Got it. Thank you, Temple, and thank you for everything you're doing in the world. Um, I, I just adore you, and uh, thank you for having me on today. Oh, back at you. It's a mutual love club, my friend. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Every day we're faced with countless decisions, some seemingly insignificant, others life-changing. In each situation, we want to consider all the options. But in an effort to choose wisely, I may become anxious and confused, thinking that my peace of mind depends upon making the right decision. Perhaps this is backwards thinking. Actually, beginning with peace of mind helps me make good decisions. 
Peace is not the result of a particular circumstance, but the very cause that keeps me calm no matter what I'm facing. Inner peace clears my mind of doubt and allows me to see what would serve me best. When I have to make a choice, I remember, for every question there is an answer, and that answer begins with the peace I already have. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What got you started on your spiritual path? Minister and radio host Paul John Roach says his path began when he heard George Harrison of the Beatles talking about Hindu philosophy and meditation. Paul John writes about it in the current edition of Unity Magazine. And don't miss the interview with Eben Alexander, the neurologist whose near-death experience led him to write Proof of Heaven. It's all in the September-October edition of Unity Magazine. Go to unity.org and click on Publications. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors, The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth 
and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.